Again, it really is a privilege to have you with me as we initiate our fourth session regarding praying through God's heart, the key to answered prayer. Beloved, I, I believe that this session is just going to, honestly, it's going to be amazing because God is amazing. And you know, if you want to enter in really to experiencing God, enter into things that are on God's heart the most. The thing that is on God's heart most is for you and I to really, really see who he is and who he is to you and me. Glory to God. This uh, is entitled, Glory to God, Ultra Oneness. And oneness, we've shared many times before, but it bears repetition. There are different types of oneness in the Bible. When Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one, he's talking about deity. Has nothing to do with us. Has him to do with him being God Almighty. Then in Ephesians 4, it talks about unity. God wants unity in the body of Christ. Glory to God. Now, when we're talking about oneness and regarding the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17, oneness is a synonym for intimacy, for closeness, for uh, the oneness of relationship. Glory to God. All right. So with that as our background, I, I want you to understand that uh, I, I believe with all my heart, Satan hates this. I'm going to be honest with you. Before I came to into the studio today, man, I, I would, there was some there was some spiritual battle. But I tell you what, <clears throat> when the devil hates something, you know it's got to be good. But more than that, the Father, the Father wants us to enter into this in, in, in such a significant way. So again, I really appreciate <clears throat> your taking time to invest in this series for the glory of God, amen, and for the sake of the kingdom. All right. We're going to look at the high priestly prayer of Jesus, John 17. Uh, so go with me if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to start in the first verse, John chapter 17, verse 1. Now, John 14 to 17 is actually one discourse, but we're going to especially uh, focus on John 17, the whole chapter. It's an amazing chapter. Glory to God. It's just amazing. Now, the first five verses, <clears throat> they, are, they share so much of the order of God in the context of relationship with him. We, and we're going to look at the first five verses as they relate to Jesus. And the next 21 uh, verses, they relate to us. So it's, it, these are amazing verses. They are simply amazing. Now, again... The backdrop is this. Jesus is, is preparing himself to die. He's preparing himself to die. And John 17 is called the high priestly prayer of Jesus because of the degree of intimacy intrinsic to it and because of the principles of relationship. Glory to God. So let's just get right to it. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. All today, I found myself just weeping. Just weeping. Just at the awesomeness of the intimacy that God has called us to in relationship with him. And so if I weep glory to God, it's because of joy. It's because I'm overwhelmed. I'll tell you something. It's, there's nothing better. There is nothing better. All right, let's start. John 17, 1. These words spoke God, Jesus and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that the Son may also glorify thee. All right. Now, 
we see a number of things here. First of all, it amazes me. Jesus Christ, he walked with the Father in an amazing way, as no human being has or ever will. But yet now, he is at the time. He said, this is the time. I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to enter into a realm I've never been before. I'm going to enter into the realm of tasting sin, purging sin, bearing sin. I, I need something. I need something. Well, what was it that he needed? Oh, my. He needed the glory of the Father in an, experiment, in an experiential way. Now, listen to me. The glory of God. It is the heart of God. The glory of God is the virtue of God. It's the name of God. It is that which God consists of. Again, the glory of God. It's the heart of God. You know, Moses, man, he had gone through the Red Sea on dry land. He had experienced unbelievable miracles. But he said, there's one thing I desire. Lord God Almighty, one thing I desire. And that's to behold your glory. Mm. And God said, all right, I will grant it. David, with all the great things he did, I mean, he slew Goliath, he was king and had so many victories. But he said, the one thing I want is to see the glory of God. Joshua likewise. All the great men of God, their passion, their passion is to see the glory of God and go beyond. And I'll explain what going beyond means. But I want to look at Jesus as our prototype, glory to God, in the context of one having intimacy with the Father. And then we'll look at how this relates to us. You say, how could the intimacy that Jesus experienced with the Father have have, have anything to do with me? It has so much to do with you. All right, so let's look at it. Now, here's what you have to see. The glory of God, again, is the Father's heart. It's the virtue intrinsic to what makes up his heart. Now, here's what people don't understand. There's a tremendous difference between the glory of God and glorification. See, the glory of God is seeing, man, what's inside the heart of God. But when glorification comes, that means what you see you now experience. So Jesus is in a place. He's saying, Father, I've experienced you before, but now I need to experience you in a way I've never experienced you before as a man on this earth. You see, action, reaction. He was going to have to to endure the cross, to endure the the infinite hell of Calvary. And, and, And the physical punishment, Having his beard plucked out. I, I'm going to tell you something. He was, de- he, he was, his visage was defaced. Man, they tore his face off, man. They, they, they scorched him to the point that you could see his sinews. In it because they, they, it wasn't just his back, it, his back and his stomach. They, they put spikes, six, eight inches spikes through his feet and through his hands. But even that could not compare to becoming sin. So he needed something. He didn't ask for angels. He didn't ask for a formula. He asked for a measure of the Father's heart 
that was necessary for him to endure the cross. All right? Now, in verses 2 to 4, he says, Father, I, I, I need this grace. I need this glorification so, so I can go through with the cross so all the people you ordained me to, to give eternal life to, I can do this. And in verse 3, he says, And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Verse 4, he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. Mm. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, there's not one of us that can say that because Jesus is saying, I entered in the perfection. I, through my will, through the Holy Ghost, I was spotless. I am the spotless lamb of the living God. I fulfilled all scripture. I endured all temptation without sin. So he's saying, man, I, man, I glorified you. I entered in to man being realized as the spotless name of God. Now, we can't say that, but we can say the righteousness that he entered into has been gifted to us. And because we received the gift of righteousness, glory to God, the uh, hallelujah, our spirits are now born again. All right. Now, verse 5 is what I want to focus on so much, so much. Jesus says, and now. There comes a time where we have to enter into that word now. A lot of times, you know, we're, we're like uh, Martha. You know, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I know, uh, you know, he'll be okay in the resurrection. We have faith for yesterday. We have faith for tomorrow, but it's time that you and I have faith for now. I know that's strong, but 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. God's speaking to the last day's church, the word now. Now. Jesus didn't need this tomorrow. He needed it now. So he says, he says now, oh, Father. He, he's addressing him as Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. And see, he, right now, he, he's in Gethsemane. This is the, there's only two times that he, it's recorded. He says, Abba, Father. He's saying, Father, Abba, Father. Mm, glory to God. Now. So what's he going to say next? Glorify thou me together with thy own self. Wow. You see, Look at these words. Glorify. Glorify means when the Father, through the Spirit of God, takes what is within his heart, lavishes it upon his Son. Glory to God. In an amazing way. Oh, my. And he says, glorify thou me. I love that. Thou me. Glory to God. Ooh, glory to God. I'm, I'm working on a devotional right now, 365 days a year. And I'm either going to call it Thou, Me, Glory to God, or His Life, My Life. Thou, Me, the oneness. Can you get the oneness? Thou, Me, together, again, together, Thou, Me, with Thyself. With Thyself. N not with anything other 
than what's inside of you. Glory to God. And then he says, he is very specific. He says, glorify thou me together with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the worlds were. Now, the Holy Spirit is calling unto his remembrance the glory that he experienced with the Father before the worlds were. For eternity, you know, it was how long? Well, he never came into being. Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. He's without days, just like the Father. He always was. Can you imagine the intimacy? The depth of the intimacy that Jesus and the Father had together. And then the intimacy they had together with the Spirit of God. Elohim. You see, the name Yahweh Shema. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but see, he's calling upon the name of the Father as Yahweh Shema. <clears throat> Yahweh Shema, the God who has a need to manifest his glory to those he loves. And Jesus had a commensurate need to experience the glory. He's calling upon the name of Yahweh Shema. You see, he needed the glory. He needed the glory in, in such a depth. And, and I'm going to get more specific on this, but you have to see this. It will change your life. This is the paradigm of relationship. The need for glory. And understanding that you'll receive your need met because the Father has a need uh, oh, to meet your need. How? Through his glory. Let's go to, oh my gosh, there's so much here. Let's look at the three accounts quickly of the transfiguration experience. Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9. These are amazing. God lets us in. And Luke 9, well, let's go there first. And Luke chapter 9, the Bible says, As Jesus, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, up to a very high mountain. If you're going to enter into intimacy with God, you got to go high with God. He took him up with a high, oh, glory to God, unto a high mountain, and he was transfigured there before him. Glory to God. Let, let's read this. Luke 9, 27. When I tell you of a truth, this is Jesus talking, there'll be some standing here who should not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> glory to God. We've shared this before, but you've got to see it. You're born again so you can see the kingdom. John 3, 3, Nicodemus says, Lord, why do I need to be born again? He says, so you can see the kingdom. That's glory. And then two verses later, he says, you need to be born again so you can enter into the kingdom. That's glorification. So Jesus is showing these men. The kingdom of God. He says, it's going to come with power. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings. He took Peter and John and James and went to a high mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. 
And we know Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. There's a scripture for falling under the power of the Holy Ghost. That, that it was, the glory was so much. And they awoke, they saw his glory. And Elijah and Moses. And then they, they went into the cloud and, and, and the cloud overshadowed them. And they, they heard the voice of the living God out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, hear him. Peter, it affected him in such a way he writes about it in an amazing way in 2 Peter. For time's sake, we can't look at the other accounts, but I'll allude to them in Matthew 17. Well, let's look at him. There's so much in the heart of God. In Matthew 17, Jesus is giving an account of transfiguration as well. And it says that after six days, after six days is seven days, all right? Now you say, why does it say after six days here and about eight days in the other account? People that are just, they don't know the Bible. They say, oh, there's a contradiction. No, there's no contradiction. Matthew is writing in a certain context. And on Sunday, they, they didn't do any work. So they don't count Sunday as a day. So he's saying it's after six, seven days. And in Luke, Luke is counting Sunday because he's giving a context of what has happened now with the law being the, the law being done away with. So, glory to God, just for information. So, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and brought them up to a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them. And his face, his face did shine like the sun. And his raiment is white as light. Ooh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Mark chapter 9 shares of this reality as well. Glory to Jesus. Now I want you to see something. Why was Jesus transfigured? Because this is the way that the Father was bringing oneness between them. He took of his heart of his glory and now he is taking his glory and causing Jesus to experiencing it which is glorification and man that, that light I mean he's, he's lit up like the sun man you couldn't look at his face <clears throat> the glory of God is consuming him wow that's glorification that Jesus had experienced glorification over and over again because this happened when he prayed but I want you to see something. But now in John 17, he's even asking for something different. He's asking even for a greater depth of glorification than he experienced even on the Mount of Transfiguration when he prayed. I know this is deep. I know this is strong. But I'm going to tell you something. If you want milk, then you, know, you probably shouldn't listen to me. But if you want to enter into reality, glory to God with meat, you're in a good place. I'm not here to play church. You've got to say the unsaid to see the unseen. That's my ministry in the context of relationship. Man, he needed a depth of glorification that is just infinite to endure the cross. So that's what he's asking for. It's like Elijah. You know, when after he ran from, from Jezebel because he was disillusioned because even when he called down fire from heaven, the people did not repent. And, you know, so he comes out and the angel gives him a, a cake. I said it's the first angel food cake. And he went on the strength of it for 40 days. That wasn't just a regular cake. Now, here's what I want to get very 
personal. Well, let me share something first. John 6, 57. Jesus said this. I live by eating of the Father. What's that mean? By, by experience the very being of who he is. I want to share something very, very personal with me because I will do anything to get this across to you. When I was growing up, man, I was in a lot of trouble because my mom had spinal bifida and, and I just couldn't take it. I mean, screaming night and day. I mean, she had 17 back operations. But here's the deal. She wouldn't have had any of that. She had spinal bifida. She would never have had to have entered into the pain she did. But here's the deal. When she was pregnant with me, and my one daughter, Mary, she worked for the Spinal Bifida Association of Western Pennsylvania one summer in between college sessions. And, you know, I talked to one of the guys from the Spinal Bifida Association, shared my story. He said, you know what? I don't know of anybody ever knowing the degree of spinal bifida that your mother had. They gave birth because it's impossible. Your vertebrae would break because th there's no resistance. He said her vertebrae should have fractured in pieces. And that's why they wanted her to abort in 1954. 1953, I was born in 54. But she said, no. They said, you know what? You're going to have to pay, you'll pay a horrendous price. You're most likely you're going to die carrying him. But if you survive somehow, you know, well, she survived. And about 17 back operations. I mean, ileostomy, colostomy, all kind of things. And, and you know what? I just couldn't bear to see her suffer. I knew she loved me. I mean, she would, I mean, she, she did that for me. And I'll never forget, you know, I was a, a teenager. There was a lot of drugs in my neighborhood, a lot of different friends. My one friend was a drug dealer. I had somebody, man, died drugs. Another, uh, one of my friends shot. And, and she said, Michael, she looked at me with those big brown eyes. She had bed sores that I can't even describe to you. Tremendous pain. And she said, just promise me one thing. You won't enter into the drug scene. You won't enter into this or that. And you see, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because it went in me. See, her heart went inside me. Her words, the glory of her eyes went inside me. And that was the strength that enabled me to negate temptation. That was my motivation. That was my reward. It went in me. Do you understand? The glory of her love for me was now experientially in me by the words that she spoke. See, Jesus is saying, Father, I need. And, and, and even what my mom did, can't, it, it can't compare in any way compared to what, man, Jesus needed. See, I needed my mom, those words to go into me. I needed her heart to go into me. I needed her eyes to go into me. Jesus, man, he was going to bear the sins of the world. What did he need? He needed the, the depth of, of the Father's heart to go into him. That's glorification. That's glorification. Now you say, what's it have to do with me? Everything. Everything. You see, the other part of John 6, 57 says, even as I eat of the Father and live by him, so who eats of me? We can eat of him. Woo! That's how we live. 
That's how we live. See, so many believers, they're struggling, and I've struggled at times. And we say, well, try harder. Do this. Do this formula. Do this. Do this. Do this. My friend, the only provision for victory is eating of Jesus, even as he ate of the Father. The only provision is to enter in to experiencing his heart. Romans 8, 17. Glory to God. It says that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What, we, what are we a joint heir to? Fifteen houses and five royal voices? A promotion? You know what? God wants to bless us. Here's what we're heir to, friends. Here's what we're heirs to. We're heirs to the heart of the Father. I have a right through the blood of Jesus to partake of the Father's heart. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, that's why Colossians 1.27 says this. This is the mystery of the gospel. This is the focal point of the gospel. This is the foundation of the gospel. Christ in you. The same Jesus Christ that walked the earth 2,000 years ago. In you through the Holy Ghost. The hope of glory. Now listen to me real close. And if you're religious, I tell you what, your religiosity is going to be gone real quick. Jesus is in you through the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in you to infuse the life of Jesus. What did Jesus cry out for in Gethsemane? It was to experience the glory of God. He's in you now like he was 2,000 years ago, crying out to the Father that you might experience the glory of God. And that's what the next 21 verses of John 17 are about. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. See by Dosai. Jesus. The love of Jesus. All right. Let's go to verse 6. Let's go to John 17. Back to John 17. In verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you, I'm going to lift my Bible up. Uh, and maybe our, you could take a look at, this is my John 17. You can see that I have, uh, first of all, you can see I'm very visual. And you can see that I've gone over this chapter a few times. I go over it every day, glory to God. My wife says, how can you read that? I said, really, I can't. I just memorized 90% of it. But I do look at it as we're taping. In John 17, 6, Jesus says this. I have manifested thy name to the men that you've given me. He's given a synopsis of his ministry. Remember, he's getting ready to die now. Well, the focal point of his ministry was to manifest the name. You know what the manifested name is? Well, the name is the glory of God. When Moses said, show me your glory in Exodus 33. In Exodus 34, God says, I will proclaim my name. Remember, I said, Jesus was calling upon the name of Yahweh Shema. 
intrinsic to the Father heart of God. For glorification. Jesus said, I have manifested thy name. The name is the glory of God. The manifested name is glorification. Oh, if you can only see what we're saying, I believe that you will. By the Holy Ghost. Again, the name is the glory of God. Manifested name is when the name is experienced. This is what God wants. Again, John chapter 3 verse 3, you might see the kingdom. What's the key to the kingdom? The key to the kingdom is the king. It's the glory of the king. It's the name of the king. It's the virtue of the king. It's the glory of the king. That you might see the glory of the king of the kingdom. And John 3, 5, you must be born again and you might enter in to experiencing the glory of the king. Wow. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. All right. So let's look right now mm. at John 17, 6, and, and, and then we're, we're going to go on. Glory to God. I can't, this, this means so much to me. You can sense my excitement. So Jesus says, and synoptically, he says, I have manifest thy name. Why was that the key to his ministry? Because he came to preach the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God revolved around the name of the king. Every time he raised the dead, he's proclaiming that the name of God is the miracle worker. Every time he healed the blind, he's proclaiming the name of Yahweh Rapha. Glory to God. When he picked up the woman that was caught in adultery, and he's claiming the name of Yahweh Roha, the God, my shepherd, who lifts up, not in condemnation, but lifts up, glory to God, on and on and on. You see, he's proclaiming the name. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. In John 17, 10, I, I love this. He says, all mine are thine and thine are mine, and I've been glorified in them. He's saying, you know what? Despite all the weaknesses, the frailties, the many times they fell short, they glorified me. They glorified me. The apostles, obviously Judas didn't, but the 11, they glorified me. That's amazing in itself. But let's now go down. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's go to verse 11 because this is a cornerstone verse right here. It says, and now I have no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. What's his number one request? He tells the Father what the focal point of his ministry was and how he, can, he realized it. And then he has one request. He says, Father, keep them in thy name. The name which you've given me, that they may be one as we are in us. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. He's saying the name manifested causes an intimacy with Trinity. That is infinite. We're going to look at more scriptures to validate this. How do you have intimacy with God? Through the manifested name. Oh, Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All right. Oh, Jesus. In verse 12, he, he, he reiterates. He said, I kept them in the name. Oh, Jesus. All right, go now down with me to verse 14. And he said, I've given them thy word. He said, the world has hated them because even as they hated me. He said, I've given them my word. And then he goes on to say, in verse 17, sanctify them, set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How important is for it is for you to be in the word of God? It's everything. It's how you're sanctified. It's how you're strengthened. It's how you have relationship with God. And then verse 19, he says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. What's he saying? He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer infinitely. So the word, I am the word. So I can give them the word. The New Testament was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I'm going to Calvary. I'm, I'm not just going to procure eternal life. I'm going there to get them the word. The New Testament was birthed through the blood of Jesus Christ, written by the Holy Ghost. So you can have it. So you can have life. Oh, Jesus. If we get that, it'll change our lives forever. Instead of saying the word is obligation, which is sin, we see it as that which is the gift of God through the blood. Oh, Jesus. All right, now let's go to verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for all those who shall believe in me. Well, that includes you and me and every believer that's been born again. Now listen to this. This validates, reinforces, accentuates the scripture, John 17, 11. That all those who will believe in me, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may know that thou sent me. To me, this is a verse I could feed off forever. It's, the, it's the, one of the hallmark verses of my life. It's saying that even as the Father is in the Son, and the Son in the Father, you and I are entering in to lack oneness. That doesn't mean we're little gods. It doesn't mean that, we're, my gosh, that our works warrant it. But this is the degree of intimacy that God Almighty has ordained for you and me. I'll go read it again. Some people say this is talking about unity of the church. This has nothing to do with unity of the church. It's talking about one in us. One in them. Elohim. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me. And I in thee. That they would be in us. How one are the Father and the Son? Now, we're not, again, talking about deity. I'm talking about in the context of intimacy. How close are they? How much does the Father love the Son? Well, we're going to read in a few more verses that the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Then we're going to look at another verse in John 15, 9. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's hard not to, that Jesus loves you as much as he loves the Father. 
How's that for context? Then in verse 22, I might, it's mind-boggling. He says, in the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them that they might be one in us. The glory is twofold. It's the Holy Ghost. Romans 6.4 says it's the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit, one of the synonyms for his name is the spirit of glory. We don't know, but God's teaching us the glory of having the glorious one in us to infuse the life of Jesus unto us. Philippians 4.13. But I said it's twofold. Jesus said in John 1.16 that grace for grace, everything that Jesus accomplished, he accredited it to our accounts. That we're a joint heir. We're, we have a joint account with Jesus. It means when he overcome uh, you know, a certain sin, man, there's grace for us to overcome it. Grace for grace. When he experienced the glory of God, grace for grace is there for us. He's given us his glory. We need to enter into it. Why? So we could be religious? So we could worship statues? So we could win doctrinal battles? So we'd have something to teach at Sunday school? No! So we could be intimate with the Father as he's intimate with the Father. And we could be intimate with the Son as the Father's intimate with the Son. We could be intimate with the Holy Ghost as they are intimate with him. It gets better. How can it get better? John 17, 23, I in them, thou in me. And when Jesus says, even as, I mean, you need to put it on your refrigerator, even as, you know, people are always trying to minimize things, especially pastors. As someone said, talking about Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I had people say, well, that's a little Christ. I said, when did he shrink? No, it's the same Christ that walked the earth 2,000 years. It's with the same hunger for glory, hallelujah, to have him experience, to have me experience. John 17, 23, I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in oneness. That the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. The Father loves you. He loves the world. As much as he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about ultra intimacy. And Jesus said in John 15, 9, I love you, you, as much as I love the Father. How much does Jesus love the Father? Infinitely. He loves you as much as he loves the Father. The Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. The Spirit of God is one spirit with us. <clears throat> Someone says you're getting too excited. No, you can't get overly excited about this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I remember when my grandson, he was in the womb of my third daughter. And uh, they said it didn't look like, it looked like he was going to die. They said his uh, kidneys were so enlarged that they were going to bust. They were going to rupture. And then my daughter would have died as well because perionitis would have set in. And I have it in my own house, the sonogram. And what do you do? Claim a formula? I claim this verse. I said, Father, 
even as we're one, I believe according to your word that he's perfect inside that womb. He's perfect inside that womb. I said he's perfect inside that womb. She had another sonogram. I very one in depth. I usually take a few minutes. This took like over an hour down in that hospital in, in Pittsburgh. And I, I happened to be there when the doctor came out and told everybody. He said, you know what you have here? I said, and, and they, you have a perfect sonogram. Perfect. Oneness produces victory. Acts 3, the perfect soundness given this man that never walked in the presence of you all. It doesn't mean we're never going to sin. It means God has given us victory, though. He's given us victory. My grandson is perfect in his kidneys because oneness and wholeness, that, that perfect means wholeness. Oneness and wholeness go together. All right. Let's go to verse 26. You say it can't get any better? Watch me. Watch the Holy Ghost. Watch, this, this, watch the Word of God. Oh, Jesus. Jesus says, And I have declared unto them thy name. The declaration of the name is synonymous with the manifestation of the name. It, it says in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus declared to be the Son of God through the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. <clears throat> declaration, biblical declaration, brings an experiential, experiential reality regarding that which is declared. Jesus said, here's what I'm declaring. He says, I have declared thy name, Father, and I will declare thy name. Now listen to this. Here's the purpose. So that the love that you love me with when I was on the earth 2,000 years ago may be in them, experienced by them, and I in them. Listen to me. Listen. The intimacy is so profound that the last thing that Jesus prayed before he left Gethsemane, was Father. My greatest desire is for them to enter in, to be glorified. Now, people hear that I'm not talking, because glorification could mean worship. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the name manifested, the glory experienced. This is what he said. <clears throat> So that the love that I was loved with, they will be loved with. So we can be one. God wants to love you. He wants to love me. In a way that, I'll be honest with you, that we've never, most of us have never even considered. This is so amazing. It's too good for the natural mind. It's foolishness to the natural mind. That's why God's given us a spirit, a mind of our spirit. So we could believe it. The eyes of our spirit so we could see it. The ears of our spirit so we could hear it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. 
Oh, my. This is the foundation of everything. There's three more parts to this teaching in the context of ultra oneness, ultra intimacy. Oh, Jesus. But it all flows from this reality. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. It's fine to learn how to share the four spiritual laws. We all need to. But I'm going to tell you something. What we need to learn most is about how to experience the heart of God. I'm going to tell you something. You experience the heart of God, you'll share. I guarantee you, you'll share what you need to share. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, there's an amazing verse. It's just amazing. As if all the verses that we haven't just taught on are not amazing, right? It says, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts, that's you if you've been born again, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Again, we're talking about glory. It's the gospel of glory. To give the knowledge of the glory of God. See, that's what I'm doing right now as a teacher in the body of Christ. I have an apostolic call in my life, teaching-wise, to share about the heart of God. That, that, that's my passion. That's my vision. That, that, that's how I've been gifted and graced. Apostolically, this means you have a vision. It's a grace given. My, my grace is, is, to, is to share about the glory of God. Really, the gospel of glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That, that's my whole, that, that's what I've just shared on, John 17, 1 to 26. To give the knowledge of the glory. God says, man, the whole earth is going to someday be filled with my glory. My church first. But it's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? You know, I shared with you, you know how, my mother's words went into me. Her eyes went into me. What's that mean, her eyes went into me? Someone says you can tell so much by the eyes of a person. I, I can see as tears flowed down her eyes. I, her eyes were just like love was in her eyes. She was getting me to make that commitment out of love for me. The same love that caused her to carry me to term, knowing that, man, her vertebrae could split in pieces and her die, was the same love communicated to me through her eyes. Some of the greatest deliverances that I've ever seen have come through the eyes of Jesus Christ. What do you mean by that? I used to be in campus ministry, and we're working with the Christian college as well as a secular college, uh, and uh, there were two young men, and both of them were struggling with pornography. And, and you know, I, I helped them, give them some things, but I said, you got to seek God. See what you come up with. And they didn't talk to one another. They both went on a fast. They were seeking God. And the one guy came back, and both of them are in full-time ministry now. And he said, you know what? I got delivered, man. Man, I dealt with this since junior high. And I got delivered. I said, really? I said, how'd you get delivered? He said, I saw a verse in the Bible, in the book of Jude, Job. I made a covenant through his eyes. I saw the eyes of God. And I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at that stuff. 
I saw the, the tears of Jesus. I saw the love of Jesus. I saw the face of Jesus, man. He's never turned back. So this other guy comes to me. I, I said, I wonder what he, he came up with. He said, you're not going to believe this. I said, tell me. Try me. He said, I, I got delivered from pornographic men. I, I was into this stuff for years. They were both juniors in college. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, man, I got delivered through the eyes of God. He never talked to this other guy. I said, really? He said, yeah, I got to hold his verse, man. I made a covenant, man, through his eyes. I sensed his face. I, I sensed him, man. I said, wow. Sharing the knowledge of the glory of God through the face of Jesus Christ. Psalm 16 and 17. We got to turn there quickly. Quickly go with me. Psalm 16 and 17. David was a man after God's own heart, and this is why. Go, go with me to Psalm 16. Glory to God. There's so much here, so much here, Jesus. So much here. In Psalm 16, David shares this. Oh, man. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. That's obviously a scripture that Peter quoted on the day of uh, Pentecost. Uh, it, it's, it's, it deals with Jesus not being left in the grave. But David's saying, man, I, said, I saw the Lord, man, always before me. And he goes on to being more specific in Psalm 17. He says, man... Men in the world, man, and then they do their thing. They're, they're, they're happy, man, you know, with just going about life and doing their sport thing, doing their drinking thing, doing this, doing their job thing, the promotion thing. But he said, as for me, as for me, Psalm 17, 15, I will behold thy face. I will see thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. How do you see the face of God? Well, in the New Testament, it's a lot easier than he in the Old. It's through the eyes of your spirit. But God enabled him even to sense the face of God. See, anything you do, listen to me, please. Do it in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, young people come to me all the time as a pastor and when I was in campus ministry. How far can we go sexually? We're dating. And I said, man... I just want you to do something. When you're dating that girl, when you're dating that guy, you pray and see the face of Jesus. Make sure the face of Jesus is always before you. You tell me how far. You see, when you pray, you don't pray with your head down, you pray with your head up. Why? When you pray, Look at the face of Jesus. Whatever you do, see the face of Jesus. It makes all the difference in the world. See his tears when you mess up. See his tears when you're hurting. See his laughter when you laugh. See his face. Someone says, that's too much for me. No. That's ultra intimacy. Just a, a few other things. One, I know this sounds so simple, but there's nothing like God. There's no one like God. There's, there's not anything like God. Man, there's a song. 
every time I hear you calling, every time you speak my name, I just want to get down on my knees. You know, I've been singing that all day. I, I can sing it for hours. Every time I hear you calling, every time you speak my name, I just want to get down on my knees. There's something about his voice that's amazing. It's filled with love. It's filled with peace. It's filled with glory. It's amazing. But you see, what I love about this is that I run to the sound of his voice. But when I, the more I run to the sound of his voice, I see him running to the sound of my voice. I, I don't beg God. I love him too much to beg. The Bible says I've never seen the children of God begging bread. He runs to the sound of my voice. You know, when my daughters call me, when my, my wife calls me, I love to hear the voice of my wife. I really do. I love to hear the voice of my children. Man, I, I, my wife's on the phone with one of my kids, and I got to grab the phone. I just got to hear their voices. I love it. My grandkids. I love to hear the voice of my wife, my kids. I run to it, man. My intimacy with Jesus, I run to the sound of his voice. But I want you to know, he runs to the sound of my voice and to the sound of your voice. Man, he ran to the prodigal son. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. The grace of God. We're going to talk about this more in our next session. Man, when you're so weak, you can't even stand up. Man, you messed up. You can't get up. And the infused power of God comes and lifts you up. Strengthens you. And forgives you. There's nothing like it in the world. When the grace of God comes. The mercy of God. Ephesians 4.30 says we can grieve him. We can hurt him exponentially. We hurt him. He's inside you. He has to live in you when you do your thing that's wrong. And then we say, Lord, I'm so sorry. And he's so quick to forgive. And cover you with his mercy. We deserve this and we deserve that. We deserve judgment, but he covers us with his mercy. It's amazing. His mercies are new every day. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Now, I'm going to share something that I heard today as I never heard it before. I'll be honest with you. I, I just cried and cried and cried and cried out of joy. It means everything to me. I was ministering to the Lord and, you know, preparing this. And I heard the Lord speak this to me. He said, Michael. He said, thank you for letting me love you. And I thought, what on earth is that? Thank? And I said, Lord, no, 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 you don't get it, Lord. Thank you. I thank you for letting me love you. 
All right, I think I heard you wrong. This just happened today. It's like Peter, you know, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, man, if I don't wash your feet, I, you're not in me. I, I said, Lord, you got that a little bit wrong. Right? I heard you wrong, right? And I heard him say again, Michael, thank you for letting me love you. And then it came to my mind a, a situation where a, a, a man was praying for a missionary. He came back from the field. He was a great missionary. Came back with four-stage cancer. He's dying. He's on a, a cot, a stretcher. And this pastor is a, a, a pastor of healing. And he prayed the prayer of faith for the man. And he saw through the discerning of spirits. I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it in this context now. Jesus came and his hand was just ready to touch his forehead and raise him up. Like it says in James 5, 14 to 16. And the man reared back and says, I'm unworthy. And Jesus tried to touch him two more times. And that this pastor said, come on, you, 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 no one's worthy except by the blood. You're worthy in the sight of God. And it went on and on. And finally, the Lord looked at this pastor and said, I so desperately want to touch him and heal him. But he won't let me. Now, this man loved God, but he had a sense of unworthiness. See, he could work for God, but didn't see himself worthy enough to be touched by God. So he, he brought this to my remembrance. And he said again, Michael, thank you for letting me love you. I'm going to tell you something. The world can have all that it has. I don't care if it's a zillion dollars. I don't care what pleasure it is. But they could never give me of that which was spoken to me that I just shared with you. <sighs> Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And I went on and started talking to the Lord. And he said, Michael, I have a need that you don't know how deep it is to express my heart to you. And I got to thinking, you know what? You know, what if I had a son or a daughter that, man, maybe they, they're like the prodigal son and they messed up and they got in such condemnation that they said, you know what? I, I'm not worthy to, to come home. And I thought to myself, you know what I would want most for them? To come home and just let me touch them. Just let me hold them. Just let me love them. And I got to be thinking, isn't that what the prodigal son is all about? The father was looking for him. Day after day, it says he saw him when he was afar off. He had to be looking to see him afar off. Day after day, see, it was in him. To touch him. It was in him. To hold him. It was in him. To bless him. Man, that father was praying for him. Man, when he was in that pig pen. The Bible says he came to his senses. Probably because the, the father was praying for him. And he came. I mean, he stunk. He, he stunk with pig feces. 
And the father runs to him. And he hugs him, kisses him on the face and that, that dung. Why? Because he said, this was my son who was dead, but now he's alive. Why, we see, why did he have the feast? Why did he lift up the son? Because the son came back and let him love him. Man, if, if you're away from God right now, you need to come back for your own self. But you need to see the heart of God. He's longing to touch you. His greatest desire is for you to let him love you, forgive you, and touch you. See, this is ultra intimacy. This is what the world doesn't understand. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's so much on the heart of God right now. See, it's all about God. And then you see how religion is so horrible when it says, you know what? You're just a worm, you're just a sinner. You're saved by grace. You're just still a sinner. Can I tell you something? You're no longer a sinner. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not a worm. You're a saint. You're a child of the living God. Religion says you can't be, you know, it says you're still dirty, even though you're saved. No, that's impossible. The blood not only washed you, but the blood gave you a new nature that is golden. It's the righteousness of God himself. He who knew no sin became sin. That you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? So you can be some religious relic? So you can serve on some committee? It's so you can have ultra intimacy with the Father. We're going to close in just a few minutes. This is amazing to me. I, 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 again, I, I, every time I, I go deeper, I, I, it's almost like I, I can't stand it. It's so amazing. It's so good. It's, so, it's, so, it's amazing. And I get it. The enemy comes. He says, man, you've had something bad happen to you. You had loss. How do you know you're not going to get hurt again? It's time to say now. Every day. I'm going to see the glory of God and I'm going to experience the glory of God. I can't get ahead of myself because this is what the next session's about. But please look at me. Jesus didn't die. He didn't go through the hell he went through. So you'd just be a better person in a sense of not committing adultery or stealing. He did all that he did. So you could be one with him. John 17, 26. All he wants to do is love you. All he wants to do is love you. Again, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop weeping. I can't. I laugh. I weep. 
when I hear these words again, Michael, thank you for letting me love you. Oh, Jesus. I want to pray for you now. Will you let him love you? You say I'm unworthy. You say I don't have enough faith. Can I tell you something? This is what gives you faith. First of all, it's God's faith to begin with. It's faith in him. It's faith in his love. I believe you're, right now, you've got faith because you've heard about his love. So often we go to church and hear about crazy stuff that has nothing to do with relationship. Right now, will you let him love you? Will you let him love you? Receive his love right now. Into your spirit. Into your mind. The love that gives grace to overcome a familiar sin. The love that is conveyed in healing virtue that causes you to be well. Not because you tried harder, just because you've seen the depths of his love. Jesus was going through something so hard. Man, I work with people in first day cancer every day. You're going through hell. It's hard. The only provision for Jesus was the heart of God manifested. I lose his heart to you. Man, you're praying for a son or a daughter breaks your heart. They're away from God. You're praying for a broken heart to be mended because you've been betrayed. On and on and on. Let's change it now. And let's confess this. I'm, I'm going to have you confess this. Now. Say now. Father. I receive the love, the glory of your heart because Jesus, that went into Jesus, that enabled him to endure the cross, that the same love to go into me, that caused my joy to be full, to see that I'm not just accepted by you, but that I am, oh, you live. You live to love me. I receive, Father, the revelation of ultra intimacy, ultra glory, ultra love. Father, I receive into my spirit as never before, into my mind, whether I need a physical touch, emotional touch, into my emotions from harm that I incurred, into my body. Father, just say this with me. Father, I receive the glory of who you are to go into me. Even as it went into Jesus, I receive the glory of your being to go into me now. That I truly, according to your word in Ephesians, might be part of a glorious church. See, the only way you can be glorious if, if glory goes into you and emanates and reigns. I receive, Father, that I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I receive. I'm an heir to your heart. I receive the glory of your being 
to be my life. For in you, I live and have my being. Father, I love you. I love you. I thank you for uh, you allowing me to love you and being amazed by the reality that you thank me. You thank me for letting me, for letting you love me. You thank me for letting you love me. I worship you for you are amazing. You are infinitely amazing. It is amazing grace. And truly, joy, joy is my strength. Joy unspeakable, as the Bible says, and full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory.